Uh, we're delighted to welcome in our first guest tonight. Uh, guy's been on our broadcast numerous times, especially in the last season. Uh, NFL Fox Sports rule analyst, former NFL VP of officiating, Dean Blandino. Dean, I think it's only hitting me now that the uh, that the season is truly back when we have you on this broadcast. Uh, a very, very warm welcome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, and uh, it's great to be back. And the season has definitely begun because people are already complaining about the officiating, so we are underway. Dean, um, I was uh, speaking to somebody about you last week. Maybe your ears were were burning, but uh, (laughs) Chuck Bresnahan um, visited Dublin uh, with Rod Woodson. They were running a a coaching clinic here. And um, in terms, I suppose, you know, all, there's always talk about referees, but one of the things I suppose you look to do, and Chuck talk, Chuck was the guy you brought in, was to offer a, bring in a coaching perspective for uh, uh, officiating. Can you talk to us, I suppose, a little bit about like how that idea came about and what was your vision with that? Yeah, that that goes back quite a couple of years. Um, you know, when I was back at the league office. Uh, 2000, probably the first year I think we did it was right around 2011 or 12 with Jeff Fisher. And it, it was, Jeff had, had was in between, you know, he had been let go um, and was in between jobs. And uh, we thought, you know, we, we've got a lot of great officiating people and, and officials look at the game from their perspective, but it would be great to get a, a coach's perspective and to have that and so when I'm watching a play and I'm looking at it from an officiating perspective, I could ask the coach, hey, what, what, are you, what is your goal here? What is this player coach to do? And, uh, and we really, you know, it started with Jeff, and then we started to bring in coaches, um, Lovey Smith, Jim Schwartz, Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, we had Chuck Pagano. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of really great NFL coaches that came in and worked with officiating Chuck, uh, Chuck Bresnahan coming in. And, uh, and now they, in the officiating department, you've got Perry Fuel, who, who is one of the people running the department, who comes from a coaching background. George Stewart, who was a, a longtime special teams coach in the NFL. And, and there's, there's that coach's perspective. We worked with Tom Coughlin. Um, invaluable because I, I know the game from an officiating perspective, but I don't know the game that well from a coaching perspective compared to these guys. And they were able to bring that perspective, which was which was really great for our officials. Dean, we're going to get into a couple of strange uh, situations last weekend. You, you said about the referees getting some uh, grief. I, did, I thought of overall last weekend it was, you know, compared to maybe last year earlier on the season, there wasn't too many challenging situations. The one in Chicago, though, was quite unique because the weather was so adverse and the, the Bears got done for unsportsmanlike conduct yeah. because of the, the drawing of the balls. I thought a bit of common sense might have prevailed there, but the rules are the rules. But what were your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, the rule is the rule, and, and it, it's specific where it, you can't use any, they call it a foreign article in the rule book, and uh, to, to assist in the execution of a kick, and that could be a field goal, an extra point, a punt, even a free kick. So uh, that was pretty straightforward, you, just unusual. You don't see that was obviously, um, you know, torrential downpour. The field was, was, was really compromised, and, and they obviously – uh, a rookie punter and you have and I know uh, Cairo Santos, who who's a veteran, um, told him to bring the towel out. And uh, so here you have a rookie punter. And now I'm getting an unsportsmanlike conduct in my first game in the NFL, my first regular season game. 
so it was it was unusual, but uh, the right application of the rule. And I think now you'll see um, every team now knows that rule. And, and I don't I don't think we'll see that again. But typically when that, you know, maybe in 10 years or so, people, their, their memories aren't that long and we might see it again in, in, in the next decade. Uh, Dean, uh, NFL fans around the world always kind of cringe every year when we hear the immortal words, points of emphasis, <laughs> because it starts off this chain of like, well, how is this going to be officiated this year? And and obviously we saw the preseason a little bit about some of the points of emphasis around uh, focus on the legal contact. I think a very useful clarification around roughing the pass, so given some of the angst about that during various games last year. I know it's only been one week. I know we've only seen limited examples, but how did you feel with your experience looking at the games that those points played out in the games? And is it going to make a difference over the season, in your opinion? Yeah, I thought, you know, overall week one was was really, I thought it was well officiated. And you're always, you're always concerned about the points of emphasis and, and that it's it's an interesting the way you say it, because it is, it's kind of an ominous, okay, what does this mean? Are we, are we going to call more? What... And and with especially with illegal contact, I think that was such such it's such an important part of the game when you think about the passing game and the history of that rule. And and before when defenders were just allowed to 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 jam receivers off the line, it really impacted when they implemented kind of the bump and run run technique. It really impacted the passing game. And so that rule freed up the receivers. Uh, you know, once we got to five yards to run routes and, and, and have an unobstructed path down the field and uh, and that opened up the passing game. So it's such an important rule. And, and I think um, there were six calls in week one, which is which is a good number. You know, there were only 36 all of last year, which is historically low, the second lowest, um, you know, ever since the rule's been in place. So so I think that's a good number. And it's just about balance. It's about calling the fouls that are there, because typically with points of emphasis, you'll see a spike early, and then the players and the coaches understand where the bar is and where the standard is, and uh, and then they adjust, and then we don't see as many calls made because they're not committing as many fouls, and the officials are not they're not going to call every foul that that occurs. Uh, but I think if you get the majority of them, then the players and the coaches get the message, and and they tend to they tend to regulate their you know their behavior, their techniques and tactics on the field. There's been a lot of mixed opinions uh, on Cleveland's fake, fake, fake spike by Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some say they should have uh, been called for intentional grounding. Uh, it caused a little stir, but the kicker York has the legs make a longer kick. Uh, he has a, the legs make a longer kick anyway. But who knows? Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, man? Yeah, I thought it was intentional grounding. I thought the officials got it right at first. You know, they 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 recognized. And with that rule, you're allowed to to spike spike the ball to to. Um, you know, stop a running clock, but it's got to be all one continuous motion. And the rule talks about if you delay for any strategic purpose, um, that would be intentional grounding. And I thought that's what happened. It looked like Brissett got the snap. He kind of pushed it down, you know, whether that's a fake spike or not, um, it wasn't immediate. And then he, and then he, he brought it back and then spiked it. Uh, the officials had a flag down. They they announced that it was a fake spike followed by a spike, but then they didn't take it one step further and enforce the penalty for intentional grounding, which which would have made a difference. Obviously, ten yards. There would have been a ten second runoff. So who knows what would have happened? But uh, but it, it to me it was intentional grounding. He maybe um, taking off some somewhat of the the officials hat, but just in terms of your experience, 
Monday night in Seattle and the the end of the game, we we saw uh, on the Manning cast, Peyton call for a timeout 62 times, uh, I think in, in the space of 50 odd seconds, which, uh, you know, is, is quite something. You saw Shannon Sharp's face. In, in your years of um, watching the sport and being involved in it, um, ha- have you seen... Um, it play out in quite that way and just the, the the length of time that seemed to it uh evaporate before a decision was made yeah it was unique you know i think we see that now especially because it was such a right it was monday night football you've got you've got the manning cast and you've got so so there's more eyeballs on monday night right russ wilson going back to seattle and to have it you know a close game down to the wire and I think, you know, and I've talked to a bunch of coaches and, and about this, and obviously, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, he's a first-year head coach. Um, they, in that situation, they have a yard line in mind where where they need to get to to attempt a field goal. And uh, and usually that's going to be, you know, probably closer to the 35 or 40-yard line. I think they were at the 46, and uh, it's probably going to be a little bit closer most of the time. And, and, you know, obviously they had that in mind and, and that's why they ran the clock because they didn't want to give Seattle more time left if they were going to make that kick. Um, that's a long kick, a 64-yard kick. Only, I only happened, I think, what, twice in NFL history. So you got to have a lot of confidence in your kicker. It was a kind of an interesting situation. Um, I, you know, second guess, you can always, it's, it's easy when it doesn't work to second guess. I know. I think most people would have allowed Russ Wilson to to take the fourth and five play and 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 try to make a first down. I think he's a pretty good pretty good chance of that happening. At least a better chance than a sixty four yard field goal. And I think it's one that. And I think I think Hackett did come out and probably say he would have done it differently. So you learn, you live and you learn, and you move on. Dan, five new head coaches last weekend, and Hackett was the only one who didn't win. The other four had yeah. done going into Monday night. The clean sweep was there, the Royal Flush. Everything it was, it was right there for the taking and just didn't get it. <laughs> um, just general on week one, anything in particular you felt stood out more so than that you were expecting and from a good, you know, positive or negative reasons? Positive, they were just the games. They were so close, right? The, the, the NFL looks at a couple of things. They look at some metrics uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the health of the game, and scoring is a big part of that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, balance is great. Offense, defensive balance is great, but ultimately the popularity of the NFL is not, it's not the seven, six game, right? That's just, that's just reality. Um, so you look at the scoring, I thought the scoring was, was where it needed to be, but the margin of victory, right? It was, it was just over eight points. If you can get 16 games where we're averaging one score game, that's exciting. And and that's why people watch the NFL for those, right? So we can talk about what happened at the end of the, the, the Seahawks-Bronco game. So we can talk about the how many missed field goals did it feel like? How many chances did the Bengals have to win that game? How many the, the Steelers missed field goals? The Titans missed a field goal at the end of the game. It was just exciting. The Lions coming back, you know, down big, and then they come back and make it a game. I just thought it was really an exciting weekend, um, you know, to kick off the season. Dean, uh, a really, I suppose, technical, boring point in one, one respect, but something I'm always fascinated about when we watch the NFL every Sunday uh, and Monday and Thursday. Um, tonight, the game's going to be an hour ahead. Yeah. The crowd's going to be noisy, probably along with Seattle. You, you technically, I suppose, if you follow the stats, have more full starts by... Uh, visiting teams in Arrowhead and in Lumen Field in Seattle than any other place in the NFL. 
which the 12s and the crowd narrowhead take great credit for and, and very proud of. But every day we, we, we watch the game and there's a bit of movement on the line and it's a very fine line between, well, was that encroachment or offside by the defense or was it a false start by the offense? And there was a great call out by Peter King early in the week of one of the side judges in one of the games, kind of, I think, on only her first NFL start. But is that one of the hardest points of actually officiating a game? Because such small margins and such a distance almost to watch for. And I'm just, every week we shout as fans, that's offside. No, no, it was a full start. I mean, how do you guys deal with that? How did you manage that as director of officiating? Line, yeah, line of scrimmage officials, I think, have the toughest job. And, and you think about just pre-snap, pre-snap responsibilities um, where, you know, you're, you're, it's not like you're five feet away. I mean, they were all the way on the sideline and the ball is snapped, you know, you know, on the hash or between the hashes. And that's you, you've got to have a responsibility for the near tackle, for the snap, the defense jumps, you've got receivers on your side of the line. And it is, how many times a game do we see the defense jump, the offense move, and now everybody stands up and we play the point game, right? They're, they're pointing at each other. And, uh, and the officials have to come in and sort it all out. And you've got, you might have a, a, an umpire in the offensive backfield that, that can see the, 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 the guard move, but they don't know if the defense is beyond the line, you know, and then the line of scrimmage official has to come in and they have the defense over the line. And now they got to kind of piece it together and figure out what they have. That is a very difficult call to make and be consistent. And it's, it's, they do a tremendous job and that just comes with reps. It comes with focus. And that's the thing we always talk about when, when officials make mistakes, it's like you lose that focus for even a split second and now you're back and you, and something just happened and we just don't know what happened. So it comes down to that, the pre-snap routine, having a routine, playing and play out, going through your checks before the play, and then having that, that laser focus, um, you know, for, you know, leading up to the snap during the down and then, the, then after the play, and then there's maybe a couple seconds to kind of reset. And then you got to go right back to that laser focus again. Dean, this is one hell of a game tonight, man. Uh, I know there's a lot of things going on in the States. It's the first game on Amazon, but you know, on on the field, you got two young quarterbacks that are amazing. I think in their first in their first thirty three games in the NFL, they're very close to each other in terms of passing yards. What are your expectations for, for this game tonight? Do you think we're going to see like a shootout, or do you think it'll be cagey? Do you think you know, I think Harrison Butker's not playing. Do you think that could be an issue for the Chiefs who will miss him tonight? And there, there's so many different factors to this game. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. I think it's going to be a great game. You look at that that AFC West and, and, and all of those teams, there's a lot of hype going into the season. Obviously, Kansas City's been there. Uh, you know, they've won a Super Bowl. They've been to, they've been to the Super Bowl. And uh, they've got a great team. Um, I like where the Chargers are. You look at that team. And uh, with with Herbert and some of the weapons, Keenan Allen's out. That that's gonna. I think that's gonna play a factor. Um, I'm I'm anticipating a, a more of a high scoring game. I, I I think, you know, I'm leaning Kansas City at home. You said the Arrowhead crowd. They're gonna be they're gonna be a factor. Um, and the Chargers, you know, they they just. The last couple of years, they figure out a way to lose games in in some of the most agonizing fashion. And, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs will pull it out, but I'm expecting a good game tonight. I'm excited. 
Dean, um, I'm just interested in, in terms of uh, drawing a little bit on, say, Pete Carroll in the lead up to Monday night's game and kind of the way in which he he, he utilised the crowd and oh, I leave it up to the 12s to make the, their mind about what way it's going to go. We see a lot of mind games, right? In We yeah. see it in, in soccer. Uh, you go back to Sir Alex Ferguson was famous for it. You see it in rugby as well, especially on the field in rugby with the players kind of going up, talking to the referee in a very gentle way. I'm just wondering, um, obviously, new referees come into the league every year. Players maybe takes a bit of time to get to know the new, the new referees. How much of, of a factor is, is that in, in the NFL as somebody who's been there in terms of players looking to maybe gain a little bit of an advantage in, in, with, the, with the referees? Yeah, you know, it's become more of a factor as, you know, when I first started in officiating in the mid 90s, um, teams didn't do extensive scouting on the officials, right? They they would know, okay, the names, maybe a little bit about their personal lives, so we can make small talk before the game. But over over the last 30 years, I mean, it is incredible what they've now now they're scouting the officials. They know they know trends. They know who calls more holding calls on the line of scrimmage, you know what their tendencies are. And they know the first year officials and they're looking for an advantage. You know, Pete Carroll is is was great. I remember talking to Pete and, and there was some philosophy and some mind games in our conversations about, you know, this is when they they've won the Super Bowl and they were going into the next season and and how they're going to be the officials just subconsciously are going to are going to call the game or, or or have a tendency to call it in favor of the opponent because the Seahawks had just won the Super Bowl. So there's mind games all over the place. Um, you 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 hope that when an official gets through the, the vetting process with the NFL and they've worked, you know, they've worked Division One FBS football, they've worked at the highest level, they've worked bowl games, national championship games. Um, and when they're getting to the NFL, that they can eliminate that outside noise and they can just, you know, they can just focus on what's in front of them and making the call and not not have an impact. But we're all human beings and and that psychology is part of it. And you just, you know, you want your younger officials to to rise up to the moment. And uh, and so but there's definitely uh, maybe not as much as as as, you know, soccer or your football, but um, there's definitely mind games going on. Dean, you've touched on the fact that we have a really, really good game ahead of us tonight, but is there any particular game to come Sunday in week two that you're looking forward to, any one you're keeping a keen eye from a storyline? I mean, the Cowboys, we've got a lot of Cowboys fans here in Ireland and they're already feeling that the season is gone By because, now. You know, because of the Dak situation and not looking to trade for another quarterback. Anything here that stands out for you? Uh, you know, nothing. I, to be honest with you, I'm still like putting last week to bed. I've been doing videos that I haven't, I haven't really studied the Sunday matchup. What I will say the matchups I will say is we have a tendency to overreact, right? We, we, you know, week one. Okay. So now the Cowboys are done and the giant, the giants who won four games last year, they're back and this team and that team. And guess what? Sunday night, it, the narrative could change completely for every one of those teams. So, so we tend to overreact and that's natural. I think that's, you know, it's just part of being a fan and loving the game and, and uh, and having those conversations, um, so you know, I, I'm just looking forward to another. I just hope all the games are close because it, it was really exciting, especially at the end of those, the early window of games on Sunday, where where games were going into overtime and going to the end, the last second. That that was a lot of fun to watch those games and be a part of it. So I'm just looking forward to to another great weekend. 
Well, well, Dean, you say you're just still putting week one to bed. And just before we put week one to bed, um, I'm reminded two years ago, we're going to watch the Chiefs tonight, Tyreek Hill playing for the Chiefs against the Broncos, caught a touchdown, and he didn't even realize he caught a touchdown. Yeah. And if they finished, he would have had a touchdown. Week one of this season, unbelievably, Jamar Chase for the Bengals, so towards the end of that crazy, wonderful game, that early slot, yeah. caught what seemed to be a touchdown, but they raced the line, got off a snap, never challenged the ruling on the field. Now, we're going to put it to the booth, to you. You've probably had a bit more time to analyze that play, see some of the angles. You know, if they'd referred it for you, touchdown or no, and just thinking about how that might have changed the dynamics of that game at yeah. that particular point. Yeah, no, to me it was a touchdown. I thought, you know, the ball crossed the ball crossed over the pylon. It was in the end zone, and, and had it been challenged, uh, would have been overturned. And I think the league even may have – uh, somebody reported that the league had had kind of insinuated that that they would have changed it, and that that's that strategy and that game within the game for the coaches, and, and we see it. We see that whether it's time management, you know, going for it on fourth and five or kicking a field goal, when to challenge, when to burn the timeouts, um, all of that is part of it. And uh, you know, I think I think that's one where Cincinnati, you know, they had they had kind of made a choice that okay, we're going to try to catch. Pittsburgh in a in a personnel matchup where we can get up on the ball and 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 you know they're they're not ready for uh you know their goal line defense isn't in and we can just rush the ball up the middle and get in but they ended up losing yardage and and then you know they did score eventually but yeah that the game might have turned out differently had uh had they challenged it and that's part of that that strategy that that um you know each team has to be on top of during during games Dean, obviously massively appreciate the time that you've made for us not only tonight but on so many occasions last season especially at peak times of the season just for people listening to this Dean in Ireland, Europe uh, and further afield where can they find you not just on Twitter but in certain avenues in terms of where you work online for the NFL? Yeah, so uh, obviously you can find me on Twitter at Dean Blandino Uh, I'm part of the 33rd team check that out, 33rdteam.com um, it's, there's a lot of great content. It's a lot of former coaches, former players, um, and, uh, and just talk football, whether it's officiating, whether it's game strategy, uh, you know, a lot of analysis. So you can find me on, on there and you can find me on, uh, on Fox sports broadcasts, both college and NFL on, uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. I know it's a little, uh, I don't know how you all do it. You stay up pretty late to watch these games. I think that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to being on the West coast of the United States where the games start at, at 10 AM on Sundays. So that's, uh, that's a little different for me coming from the East coast, but y- you know, for you guys, that's, uh, you know, 10 AM that's, you probably welcome the early starts. Cause it's not a, uh, it's not 2 AM your time when the game kicks off. Yeah. I think, uh, even when that college game was in Dublin, it was half five and even it was nice because you knew yeah. it wasn't too late, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be a good season. Hopefully, then we can uh, maybe have you on the show again at some point. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure Absolutely. something's going to happen over the next few weeks, so we'll definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely have you on. But uh, definitely appreciate your time, man, and enjoy week two. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, thanks for having me. Cheers, Dean. Thank you. Thanks a million to Dean Blandino for coming on, um, and you can, as Dean said, you can find him out on social media there. 